0: We go mm. go on!
1: Go on, yeah, I he was right. Back in the spot. Good luck. Take Take a walk,
0: Welcome to a Green and Gold Rugby podcast. It's Matt Rowley here with Scott Allen. Mate, how are
2: you? Really good, Matt. And you?
0: Yeah, good, mate. Um, these podcasts are coming thick and fast because there's so much to talk about. Uh, but today we're honoured with the, the reappearance of one of our favourite guests, uh, Richard Graham. What are you, mate? How are you?
1: Matty, good day, mate. Scotty, thank you uh, for having me back.
0: No, no, thanks. It's great to have you back on, mate. So, the Lions, let's get straight into it. I mean, you've been enjoying the series?
1: Uh, well, certainly the Test match lived up to expectation, didn't it? Yeah, um, you know, If, if you just uh, regress a little bit to the start of the tour, you know, I think one of the great things about the Lions, and everyone says it, is the opportunity to play the old-style tour with provincial games midweek. Um, and, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I think it gives everyone an opportunity to see uh, you know the very best uh, from the UK and the uh, and Ireland, but all, also just to relive the old style tours. So, been really really impressed by the way the Lions have gone about their business off the field. They've engaged uh, people everywhere they've gone. Um, you know, speaking to Sean Maitland recently, the culture of the Lions. He was he's been really impressed with how Warren Gatland's brought them together. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, that that was probably typified in that contest the other night. I don't think either team were any better than the other. Um, but yeah, the Lions clearly took one or two opportunities and came out right with the result.
0: Yeah. And, um, so just before we get into the Saturday nights and just talking about the Lions, um, you know, with the Reds, uh, obviously you guys had a, a cracking match and I, I got to that one as well. I, uh, got rained on to prove it, um. What did you guys take away? I mean, for the Reds, um, what did you guys take away from that match for you guys? Was there any kind of learning or was it experiential? What what came out of it for you?
1: Well, well, clearly our approach was very different uh, to a number of the other teams that have played on tour. Uh, Ewan's got a background of having coached in Europe. Uh, Jimmy Mackay, who coached the TAC, was there for 16 years. I was there for seven years. So, you know, in our heads, we had a clear way that that approached the game and obviously also the speed with which they used to playing. So we yeah. just said we'd play com- completely opposite spectrum, take them out of their comfort zone, uh, stress them mentally, stress them physically. And I thought we did a really good job at that. Um, you know, the, 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 the two areas for me that beat us on the night were, one, the weather. Yeah, you know, as soon as the rain came in, it put us under a bit of pressure. Yeah. Uh, particularly with our handling. And, yeah, you've got to, got to give them a wrap. They're a good side, obviously. And then the second thing is at one point there they brought five forwards into the game and looking at them as they jogged on, they had 250 test caps. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, given we have seven uh, players in the Wallaby squad, we were bringing guys in that had played 100 minutes of super rugby. So, yeah, you know, obviously a huge gap in terms of the class and the experience and that probably got them home. And that's been a real feature
0: of all of those games um, with the, the Dirt Trackers' as Gatlin. He's always kind of emptied his bench almost at once. And I was at the uh, Waratahs game when they did that and uh, it was a big psychological impact. Do you think that was, that's no accident, the way they've been doing that?
1: Well, actually, you know, to go back a step further off, looked at their minutes right across uh, the tour and they've clearly got a, a real structured uh, view on how they do it. So after the Barbarians game and the Force game, Pretty much everyone had had uh, 80 minutes of rugby. So guys in Hong Kong started, played 60 minutes, um, and the reserves, 20 minutes. Come to the force, those guys had played 20 minutes, played 60 minutes. The guys that started in Hong Kong come off the bench and played 20. So I I could sense that he was giving them a really fair... View or showing up until him select, selecting the test side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but geez, it helps. Yeah, you know, you've got thirty-seven of the best players in the UK and Ireland. You're able to bring a guy like Paul O'Connell, Adam Jones off the bench. Yeah, you know, there's 160 tests alone. Yeah,
0: and mate, you, you talked about that speed. Um, I guess you know many of us think, hey, you know uh, these guys, they're all international level. You know they're playing, you know the best teams in the world. They they do pretty well when it comes to World Cups and things like that. But, you know, the fact that the speed of the game that you guys could put together, for example, with a depleted super rugby team that, you know, they, they did kind of struggle to cope with, should that be surprising to people? You know, these are, these are elite-level athletes. Is our speed of game down here really that different that it can shock these guys?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it is, mate. I think uh, you're looking at anywhere between, on average... A Super Rugby game and uh, an English Premiership game, for example, mm. anywhere between 15 meters, um, a minute more. So, uh, sorry, a, 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 yeah, sorry. fit we, We're running about 80 80 meters as opposed to 65 meters mm. every minute. Yeah, so I, I think there is definitely a difference when you put it across the game. And I think, um, you know, the weather conditions obviously have a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Up there, the game's played a lot through those winter months. Here, we're always on dry tracks. And yeah, I think culturally, just, um, you know, the way that we play the game. We, we play, obviously, um, an attacking style of rugby and one where, you know, tries are really encouraged. Up there, with promotion, relegation, a lot of things is about winning, accumulating points. You get to the end of the season, you want to be in the finals as opposed to in relegation. Yeah.
2: So, Richard, in terms of that speed, is that a fitness thing or is it more a mental thing in terms of you've got to keep making decisions so quickly and you don't get to rest at any point in time?
1: I think both, Scotty. I think the one thing, you know, if you are going to win, you've got to go to a place that's not comfortable. I think any team that wins is always in that space that's not comfortable. And, uh, you know, that stresses you physically and obviously on the back of that you become stressed mentally. And and for us, you know, you go into a game and you can look at doing things – the same every time or you can just look at doing things a little bit differently and even that challenges you mentally and yeah I thought credit to the 23 guys that took the field for us I thought they uh, they did exceptionally well and represented the organisation yeah, on, on, a, on a worldwide uh, stage really well
0: Because one of the things you guys did successfully in the Reds game and then Will carried it through onto Sunday night successfully as well was the quick tap um, This Lions team really does seem to be Sluggish and I find that surprising because if you watch their realignment and attack and defence, I think it's one of been, been one of the features of how quickly they've done it and how tirelessly they've done it. But when it comes to penalties, um, they seem to be able to be caught napping. Is that a factor of this speed or is that something different?
1: I think that's a, a factor of the nature in which they play the game yeah. in the Northern Hemisphere. A lot of it is about accumulating points at test, at test match level yeah, Matt, you've seen a lot of the Heineken Cup. Again, Heineken Cup is about winning um, and accumulating points through the competition. And yeah, you know, if I go three, six, nine, I win nine, six. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I think that's a, that's a byproduct of their competition. Coming back to your point, there, mate. You have a look at Warren Gatland's profile. Let's look at Wales. Big bodies. So you know, their centres Jamie Roberts and North. Mm. Uh, sorry, Jamie Robertson Davies, over 100 kilos. Their wing is Cuthbert North, over 100 kilos. So, you know, the profile of him, big bodies, fit. The Welsh team is fit, you know, and they've proven that uh, in winning the Six Nations. You know, play the same way their forwards getting around the corner, so you've got to be fit to do that. So, the style in which they play about resetting quickly in an attack and defence, I think, mate, is obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that's part of Warren's uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. But when the game stops for a penalty, the mentality of players tends to stop with it. Yeah, And uh, that's where we could we, we thought was one of the ways we'd catch them out.
0: Yeah, it's been a beauty the few times that it's worked. So coming back to Saturday night, um, we were just talking pre-game, I mean, about the atmosphere. It was fantastic. I think it's one of, one of the better international matches I've been to, both for excitement and atmosphere. I think you had a bit of a theory on that, don't you?
1: Well, I I just think the British and Irish Lions fans that come here, you know, really, really enjoy the whole um, experience. It's, you know, the the touring of the country, um, the ability to go to five or six uh, different teams, uh, sorry, different cities across Australia, they get to the test matches. I think they, they, they make the experience. You know, I was fortunate enough to be at the, th- the third and deciding test in Sydney in 2001, and I hopped on the train afterwards with my wife, and it was like they'd won the game. Yeah. Yeah, they're singing and they're cheering. Yeah, j- just the vibe, the feeling that they bring. Um, and yeah, I've spoken to a lot of people who were at that game on Saturday night. They loved it. They loved the theatre of it.
0: Mm. Now they, they, def- they they drink that in quite literally. I was in the, <laughs> I was in the airport <laughs> Friday morning, flying up to Brizzy, uh, eight a.m. and the uh, kind of cafes and bars were packed, uh, full of guys with uh, pot bellies and red shirts on top,
1: ordering two beers at a time. It was uh, it's, all, its all good natured, though, isn't it? Oh like, yeah, yeah, it's all yeah, good yeah. There's banter. good banter, but it's yeah. all good natured and yeah. yeah I, I I I think um, yeah, it's a wonderful tour. No, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah.
2: It I up. noticed that at the game on Saturday night, the, the banter that was going on from the Lions fans was good-natured. Mm. And there, you know, there was a number of Wallabies fans who just didn't get that it was good-natured, and they were getting very upset at some of the banter, when really, yeah, it was just in the right spirit.
0: Yeah. Well, you had a bit of an extreme case near you, didn't you, Scott? I <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, look, mate, let's, let's go to the game. Uh, Lelia Fano getting knocked out in, like, minute one. Yeah. Um, and he seemed, you know, he was obviously a pretty key pick because that was in one of the situa- one of the positions we've been talking about endlessly in the lead up uh, to the match. How much do you reckon that impacted what the Wallabies then did for the kind of next seventy nine minutes?
1: Yeah, d- difficult to say, mate, because I don't think the game necessarily uh, was played in uh, in the way that you might have thought it unfolded. You know, this, with this um with flowing attack, you know. I think Christian was brought in in the first game and if we thought he was going to change the way that we played dramatically, I think uh, we're probably delusional. Mm. Um, yeah, it definitely would have had an effect because he's got a skill set that is a little broader than what Paddy McCabe's is. Um, but having said that, you know, pat, Pat's pat been there the whole preparation and would know exactly what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, I, I guess Kirtley's... Um, injection into the game probably, for me, changed the game more because uh, of his ability to play at first receiver and push the ball a little bit wider. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was probably the most significant change for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, because we talked, uh, Scott, we've been talking quite a lot, haven't we, about those those spaces and where they are for the Lions.
2: Yeah, I mean, there, Richard, I, I wondered there whether that was the opportunity for them to move Barnes up to 12 when Leah Lafana went out so they could bring Kirtley on. But uh, do you think that would have thrown out? Do you think do you think they would have trained, you know, with basically McCabe as the backup, and so they just couldn't react that quickly and change the whole mix?
1: Well, I I, th- I think... Well, I don't think. I know. So at the start of the week when you select your side, you look at the permutations of the injuries and then who you'd potentially put into those positions. Yeah, Berwick, for me, um, would be an obvious one because... He is naturally a 12. Uh, he's played a lot of test rugby at 12. And then you bring Kurt Lee in, um, you know, that, they've obviously given it some thought and gone about a different philosophy. So, you know, that that's, that's the way that it's panned out, I think. Um, you know, cer- certainly by just having that ball player there as second receiver would have allowed them potentially to play the way that they'd wanted to in their preparation. Yeah.
2: And, I mean, obviously, the injuries, you know, there's something you, you couldn't have expected to have three, um, basically, inside backs go down like they did. But but when that happened with uh, McCabe having to go off, would would you have ever taken a decision to bring a forward into your back line in effectively a test match at 12?
1: Um, I, I, Again, like, obviously, they've thought about all these things. They probably didn't think they were going to have three injuries like that and, uh, and have to make a decision on... On a position such as that, for me, two schools of thought. They either thought that uh, by having Hooper and Gill on the field together, that they were getting a real result at the breakdown that could potentially change the game. Um, That that might have been their thinking for doing it. So, you know, I haven't asked anyone their thoughts on that. For me, and and I can sit back. Obviously, twenty twenty, having thought about it, reviewed it. That I thought Phipps would have been an obvious one. He played wing for Australia a number of times at the back of games last season. So he was an obvious one. Just moved uh, Digby into 13, Phipps onto the blindside wing. Yeah, and, and it's quite seamless in that sense. That, that, that would have been my thinking.
0: And so just um, wanging on about the backs a little bit more, obviously there's been endless discussion both before and afterwards about James O'Connor at 10. Um, you've obviously coached James in the past. What's your kind of appraisal of how it all went?
1: Yeah, I, I thought, um, yeah, there, there were a couple of moments there where James ran off Curtly. Yeah. Uh, he was instinctive and he was uh, decisive. And for me, that was probably an illustration of of getting them the wrong way around. Um, you know, Kurtley as a first receiver, James as a winger, or a fullback being able to inject better, uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, Robbie, I, I don't know what their game plan was. I don't know what they're thinking or talking um, in the inner circle was. So, uh, mate, that's my thoughts. They've obviously uh, got their own reasoning. Yeah.
2: And, and mate, just on another player who you guys will be coming up with in the next few weeks, Israel Falau. That was some debut, wasn't
1: it? Oh, I thought he was exceptional. Um, yeah, you know, his, his first try. Yeah, you know, I, I think all credit's got to go to Willie on that. Yeah, you know, his uh, his quick thinking and then his skill to be able to uh, perform. Yeah, you know, the little kick under pressure and straight in front of fly I thought that was exceptional. But you, you need guys at test level or, or, or yeah you know, even at Super Rugby level that make things happen, can just beat people. And yeah, you know, I thought our his ability to do that the other night was exceptional. Um, and, you know, then his awareness on the on the tackle and chasing the kick, I, th- I thought he had a fantastic uh, debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on a big stage, um, yeah, in in what is really, you know, a defining series for Australia.
2: Yeah, and as you say, Will Gennier had a, a tremendous game. Just, uh, mate, your thoughts on Mike Phillips. He, he looked well off to me.
1: Yeah, uh, he did. Didn't look at his best. Um, you know, I haven't read anything about him being injured or anything, but certainly wasn't uh, as influential as he has been. I know, you know, certainly when you look at a game like that, the one person you'd mark is Mike Phillips, and the second bloke would be uh, Jonathan Sexton. So the Wallabies' defence the other night was, was was very good and I think probably squeezed them a little bit, those two blokes.
0: And actually, because just on that point, we had a, uh, I got an email from a, a kind of a reader of the site, and um, he made an interesting point. We've kind of put an, a, an article about it, just asking the question. But, um, you know, Sexton with that miss on Folau and um, just the way he's been playing, you know, he can, be, he can be a very dynamic player, take the ball to the line, having seen what he does in Ireland. Um, but he last few matches, particularly since he got that belt from Will Skelton in the Tars, he just hasn't seemed to be the same. We've got a bit of a conspiracy theory that he might be carrying a bit of an injury. Would that ring true with what you've been seeing?
1: Yeah, I, I must admit, I thought he underplayed his hand the other night, but I thought he did it well. Yeah. I thought he kicked uh, very well. Yeah, I, I would say that it's probably him that's thought of targeting Hooper with that little... Yeah, they'd, The Lions in all their lead-up games had had little plays um, involving the 10, the 12, the 13, the blindside winger, and that was just an example of one of them the other night. But it picked on, obviously, a change when Michael Hooper moved to 12, so... Yeah, I think his brains engaged. I think he's uh, potentially maybe underplaying his hand, but yeah, not not to the point where he's not having an influence on the outcome of games.
0: Okay. Now, mate, we left um, despite having you know a fractured back line um, from very early on. We left fourteen points on the field, um, so we obviously didn't do too bad. Uh, you know, where do you think we really kind of got it got it right?
1: Uh, I I thought uh, our defence was exceptional. Mm-hmm. The other night, um, you know, Gatland uh, plays that same way um, with his forwards, and then tries to get his backs together to come back against, you know, tight forwards. I thought the Australians uh, defended that really well to the point where they made ground in defence the other night. Yeah. Um, you know, clear, clearly uh, the likes of North and Cuthbert have to be under a little more pressure either in our kick chase or in our midfield defence if they come come uh, through that channel because. You know, big strong man, and um, North's try the other night was exceptional, you know, just just class. Um, so, yeah, at, attack wise, yeah, I, I would think the Wallabies, you know, will be hoping they get through with just a little bit more continuity uh, this game. And when I say continuity, I mean continuity in terms of keeping the same players on the field for a period of time. And uh, on the back of that, being able to control the ball for uh, longer periods when they're in uh, the Lions' half. Okay. And um,
0: mate, what do we learn about the Lions uh, in this game? I mean, I must admit, I probably went in there um, having you know got sucked into a lot of the build-up, and you, we'd seen how well they dominated some of our kind of teams, even though they were depleted. And it kind of felt like we managed to, to muscle up. Do you think we kind of uh, there's anything we learnt as far as areas we could target for, for this coming weekend?
1: there oh, two two really even sides to be to be fair yeah. um, and I thought you know if you look across the fact that he selected nine Welshmen in the team Australia's record against the Welsh over the last uh, couple of seasons yeah you know, so mentally I think that would have played on them a little bit um, yeah and I don't think when you look at the profile of the teams they, they're vastly different like we've got a number of young players making uh, their debut, you know, I don't think guys like Sam Warburton are overly experienced, and in terms of a leader, you know, not not overly experienced in that facet. So I think I think two really even sides. I think for Australia, it's just being a little more clinical when they've got the ball. Um, yeah, you, know, you see the lines closing there on the outside uh, with their defence to try and force. Australia back into where their forwards are a bit more comfortable, so we've got to we've got to have a better understanding of how we're going to attack that. And I think you do that by being quite direct initially and stopping that defence being able to come forward because you're always on the front foot. That's one, and I think just changing the tempo of the game is the other. Okay. Good yeah, luck. certainly Australia will be looking to kick better, won't they?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can only.
0: Did you have anything? Any other questions left there, Scott, from about the Lions and, and the Wallabies?
2: No, no, I think we've covered that.
0: Good one. Well, then let's get back to there's this other little competition that still we're in the middle of, uh, Super Rugby. Um, and, you know, just I think it's just a week after the third test, you guys will be playing the Tars, if I'm right. How, how are you guys travelling?
1: Yeah, mate, we're going well. It's obviously a long period between games, so we've got five weeks. Uh, so we've got seven guys there at the Wallabies. We've got Luke Moraghan, who's away with the sevens. And the rest of the group um, are training. So you know, in between training here as a group and then going back and playing club rugby, you know, the boys are busy and, and staying engaged with rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, this year, the competition, the South African and New Zealand teams, having, having played their domestic uh, test series, now play Super Rugby this weekend. They play Super Rugby again next week during the third test and then we all go back and finish together. So it's a bit of an interesting... Competition, I think it keeps people engaged with regards to the table mm-hmm. and, you know, coming together for that final round, you're either going to know that you're in the top six or you're actually playing for a position in the top six. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back into it.
0: I, I must admit, I've completely um, switched off, I, I, you know, from it over the last few weeks um, once we kind of got into test match fever how have the results been kind of playing out for you guys as far as what your hopes, or is it not really impacting it at this stage?
1: Well, the, this this weekend will be important. You know, it's probably, if you look at the table, there are seven teams who can make the top six. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's Auckland and uh, and can- and the Crusaders, so the Blues and the Crusaders, who sit below us. Um, yeah, so the results of their games will have a really, really big bearing on whether or not uh, they can overtake us. Okay. And so who are
0: you going to be cheering this weekend at,
1: in that case? Anyone who's playing, anyone else in the top six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So
2: what are your non-Wallaby players doing at the moment? Are they on a break or are you still training?
1: No, we're training. So we've tried to mix up uh, the days that we train during the week just to keep them fresh mentally. Um, you yeah, you obviously got to keep them ticking along physically, but then... Also, guys going back and being involved in club rugby this weekend. So this week we've trained early in the week to allow them to go back and train with their clubs Thursday and play Saturday. Um, next week we'll do something different. So each week's been different, but clearly we need to get to July the 13th in the best condition that we can. Okay.
0: Good one. And, and can I just say to finish off, uh, are you sat there at Ballymore at the moment?
1: Yes, mate. Well, yes. overlooking I... looking the uh, Queensland... Number one and number two schoolboy teams training.
0: Oh right, because yeah, I had my first visit to uh, Ballymore on Friday night for the ANZACs game, um, uh-huh. and, and it's a fantastic <laughs> setting down there, and um, a you know, great little ground to set in. Not so easy to get a beer or you know, or, or, or a pie, but um, as far as view and atmosphere, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, mate. Obviously, you know the the number one spot in Australia. Sorry, in Queensland. Yeah, you know, ten years ago for test match rugby, yeah, uh, for super rugby, and, and it is. It, it's a it's an intimate little venue, uh, mate. In terms of the beers and the pies, it's not really an issue for me during the week. <laughs>
0: you don't just you don't just nip down for one. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. right. Well, well, listen, mate. It's been great to have you on and, and talk to you. Um, good luck with the back end of the season. We all want to see as many Aussie teams as we can in the finals and um, see if you can get lift the thing again.
1: No, good on you, boys. appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. See you, mate. Thanks,
0: Scotty. See you, Matty. Right there, right there. So always great to talk to Woody. Uh, He always uh, gives a really well-informed opinion. Um, So I'm just trying to think what's happened since our last podcast, they're coming so thick and fast. Really, it's been the Rebels uh, last night, uh, which ended up, Thirty five nil, uh five tries to nil. Um but it was just kind of scored at a steady pace and I guess there wasn't a it wasn't a complete drubbing, but just the, the rebels though couldn't get a point on on the board. What was your takeaway on the game, Matt?
2: Um yeah, look I thought the Lions B team or dirt trackers, they were just steady. Yeah, you know, they're not really showing anything where you look at it and say, Wow, that's a second great team. Yeah. Um, you know, and it almost seems that the Lions out of their thirty seven or forty they've got on tour now, whatever it is, you know, they've they've got about twenty who are real top notch, and then they've got another twenty that are, you know, good players, very good players, but not quite at the same level. Um so I didn't think there was anything too spectacular. I, sorry, I should say Simon Zebo for the Lions. He he looked pretty spectacular. Mm. Got some footwork, hasn't he? He does, um, and, some, and some speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought the Rebels, I thought some of their decision-making and their... Whether it was a game plan or whether they were just reacting poorly, I thought they did some very strange things with their kicking. A um, couple of, you know, first-phase bombs, basically. Mm. Which, you know, you haven't seen that for a while. <laughs> um, so. It kind
0: of felt like they'd made maybe run out of ideas by then. I mean, the, the thing about them... I mean, I, I thought they... They toiled really well in defence, as in, you know, they, they, they put up a good fight, which I think is what put the brakes on. And, you know, they contested that breakdown pretty well. I thought the back row had a really good game. Um, and they also, you know, a point that you've been making, you know, they contested in the line-out, especially uh, the, they actually nicked the first two of the game, right? Yeah. Um, and,
2: that, and that throws teams off. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially for something that's supposed to be so strong for those guys. So I thought defensively they, they did quite a lot well. Um, you know they didn't do that turnstile thing. Um, however, just in attack, to your point, um, you know they just came out woefully on the wrong side of any kicking duel. Um, that it was to a point that was pretty embarrassing. And then you know um, Hegarty just got stuck so far behind the game line every time he got his hands on the ball. He was standing so deep, um, and then you know couldn't they couldn't get around the the, the rush defence that you know, by the end of the game, they were, they were better off without the ball um, than they were with it because they were just travelling backwards. Um, that seemed to be the thing that just crueled any chances they had. I mean, they, they made a few breaks, but as soon as they tried to get any continuity going, they just found themselves going backwards.
2: Yeah, and that's a horrible mistake a fly-half makes when they're under pressure to step back and go deeper. Mm. Because it doesn't relieve pressure, it actually adds to the pressure. Mm. Um, You know, you're just basically giving the defence a free run at you. Um, In fact, what you've got to do is be brave enough to know that at some time you've got to step forward and you've got to try and challenge. And if they're coming at you too fast, you know, that's where the little chip kick over the top sometimes helps. Mm. Um, Or, you know, an inside ball to try and get inside the rushing defence. But stepping back like he was um, just showed very inexperienced.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and it, it kind of—I'm not quite sure what it was they were expecting to happen, but they just basically seemed to be getting the ball to, you know, um, just just before where the defensive end for the uh, Lions was, um, if they were lucky, and it was just—I mean, they were just completely contained into a little pocket, weren't they?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's not good enough to just—and they—they made the comment that they were trying to get to the fringes. They knew the space was there, but it's not good enough to just pass the ball straight across. Yeah. You know, you've know, got to have guys actually moving into those holes, not just basically shuffle the ball sideways, um, because all that does is just allows the defence to keep drifting across and they take the space away from you. So you've got to have the guys in motion running the angles to hold the defenders, otherwise the space disappears and they just move forward on you and shut you down behind the gain line. And then, of course, your forwards have got to run five metres back from where they were which makes it harder for them. They take longer to get there, and then you get under pressure at the breakdown.
0: Yeah. I thought um, one interesting thing was obviously to see Luke Burgess start. Um, and, and to start with, I, I thought, oh, has his pass got better? Is that my eyes deceiving me? It seemed a little bit flatter, <laughs> and, it, and it seemed to be getting in front of the man. And then it just, things just kind of disintegrated. You know, his decision-making wasn't there. He, he, he used to have a threatening running game. That wasn't on, a, on a, a evidence at all. And then he's... His kind of box-kicking and decision-making was just really, um, really off, wasn't
2: it? Yeah. Well, look, don't want to be you know overly critical of the guy, but watching him in France, I think that's why he's been on the bench because every time he's come on, you've seen lots of that that you saw last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, he, t- he seemed to go backwards when he was in France.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, I think we had him on the podcast that time and he said, you know, the style of game is that, you know, you've got to be able to play that kind of box kicking tactical thing. And that's, you know, he'd been practicing and practicing it. I just, I wonder if that just focused on a part of the game that just wasn't his. Um, and, you know, he didn't manage to, to, to master it. Um, but now what we're not even seeing is, was, you know, the part of the game that he was good at, which was that kind of quick ball clearance and sniping around the edges. So, I mean, maybe hopefully he can, get that back into his game.
2: Um, yeah, and it was a bit of a contrast when Sturzaker came on, how well he went.
0: Yeah, he did. He was a real... Thr- I mean, it, it just felt that those... I mean, when the Rebels made their yards, um, and, you know, Mitch Inman made one or two runs like that, I think. Whoever kind of came in field and got behind the ruck um, and made runs around there, that's where they made their yards. Uh, and, anyway, uh, Sturzaker, uh did a good job there as well. So, anyway, so there's the last Dirt Trackers... Um, game i've matched you know what hit me actually post the last test was was just to think that if the wallabies lose this test on saturday night that's effectively this thing we've been waiting for and going on about for for 12 years it's effectively over i mean you know we've got a dead rubber left and you know you've got all this build-up for something that is basically one week's worth of rugby
2: yeah but you know if you think about it we've been going what um four weeks now Mm. um we're into the fourth week, it, it really has flown, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. And yeah. having these games in the middle of the week, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's all happening, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's the pace. You never get a chance to kind of draw your breath. But, um, yeah, it's a good reason for why we, we've we got to have the Wallabies win this weekend. Otherwise, it'll be all over too soon, um, as well as me freezing out at ANZ Stadium for no good reason. Um, <laughs> so, mate, what other news have we had? I mean, I, th- I think one of the big uh, kerfuffles that's kind of brewed up has been around Kirtley Bill's footwear. Um, not a usual topic of discussion, but um, it seems to have become quite important.
2: It's interesting, isn't it, how, uh, how Warren Gatlin, for example, is, is weighing in you know, on what he would have done with people's footwear. And, <laughs>
0: uh-huh. um, you know, he loves giving advice, of,
2: doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, there's a fair bit of mental uh, games going on there. Yeah. But look, as we know, you know, it rained all day Friday in Brisbane. Um, the teams went out for a captain's run in the rain. They would have known that Suncorp, you know, as are most stadiums around the world that don't have, you know, that aren't like an MCG where you got the stands are a fair way away. You know, the ground will dry out, but it's still slippery, particularly on those, you know, the areas where they've uh, put the signs in. Um, yeah. The when you look at the bottom of Kirtley's boots, which were covered in, you know, they were full of mud, weren't they? Yeah. You can understand why there was no grip. So, yeah, it's become a topic. I, uh, I, I was fascinated to see how many players might have run out. So I had a look at some of the photos that uh, Sully gave us and the video. And the only two that I could find in the Wallabies that had moulded on were James O'Connor and Kirtley Beale. Beale. Um, even mm. Will Genia had, had screw-ins. Mm. Um, and I couldn't see a single Lions player that didn't have screw-ins. So... I'm pretty sure they were the only two that went into that game with Moulded and I saw a comment from James O'Connor either last night or this morning saying I won't be changing, Molded's what I wear so Eddie Hard um, you know there's been lots of discussion over the last four or five years that it's a very hard ground and it's very slippery mm. um, obviously if the roof is closed at any time and, and being a sort of more enclosed structure um, it's not going to be I would think there's going to be some slipperiness there. So, with Kirtley and Jock both saying they're going to go with their moulded again, hopefully Christian Lefano's kicking.
0: Mm. Yeah, no. And I, and I think we've been told that he would have been the... Uh, he would have been the first up kicker um, had he not been knocked out. Um, mate, other news that we've had is obviously uh, developments on the injuries front. Um, so, I think we found out today that Pat McCabe won't be playing for the rest of the season. He has... Yeah. He has, in fact, refractured his neck or rebroken his neck. I guess you could say, um, which has got to be a worry. However, the doctor says it doesn't rule him out from playing again, ever.
2: Gee, right? I, I haven't I haven't had a chance to see that yet. But yes. gee, fracture your neck twice? <laughs> you'd have to be wondering, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, I don't know. If if it was me, I think I'd take that as a pretty big hint.
2: Um, yeah, you know. and, afford- and that was such an innocuous thing too. It wasn't like he had a massive, you know, was piled over and in, into the ground. It yeah. was just, you know, basically somebody fell on the back of him, didn't they? You've got to think
0: there's some sort of a weakness there. I don't know how you can be thinking you're going to be back, but anyway.
2: Yeah, but, but Leo Lafano looks like he'll be right.
0: Yep, indeed.
2: Um, I, I'm still shocked at. Um, but Ashley Cooper is still in some doubt, as I, as I gather.
0: I don't know. I, I think we've got... that It's it's tomorrow, isn't it, that they're saying they're making a ruling on that. Um, I haven't heard whether he's even been training or not. I, I haven't heard anything
2: about that. Yeah, and Digby's confirmed out for the whole series. Yeah, whether that's on the run or on the way to a shoulder <laughs> reconstruction. <laughs> no, that's all, that's all fixed now. <laughs> okay. okay. What was it? What was it, Bill Pulver, called it? A storm in a teacup. A storm in a
0: teacup, yeah. Oh, You're yeah, right. Um Okay, and so, um, and and Beric is, I'm trying to remember now, he's out, isn't he, for this one? He's
2: out for this game. Right. So, because of the concussion. Mm -hmm. So, again, how many head knocks knocks can a bloke take? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, what that does do, so we know we need another winger, and we know we need, um, uh, well, Bill's going to be the starting 15, and so that puts um, another two backs on the bench. Um, Who do you think's in the... Who comes to mind for you? Assuming, Um, say, AAC does play, uh, you know, just to make it simpler.
2: Well, then I think the choice is going to come down to Cummins or Tamani. Tamani, you know, whether his toe is right or not, I I think Cummins is probably the one they go with. Just that bit of extra size, bit of extra bulk um, to handle, you know, because even if the Lions bring in Tommy Bowe instead of Cuthbert, which I think is a good possibility, he's still a big guy too. Mm. So I think it would be good for the Wallabies to have a little bit of extra size on the wing. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Cummins. Um, I think it... It, it has to be Beale at 15. I, from all the comments that Robbie Deans has made, I can't see him changing mm. uh, Jock out from 10. Mm.
0: And then so does that mean we go looking for somebody as a utility back kind of re- replacement um, for, for Barnes slash Beal? And who is that? Yeah.
2: Well, I suppose you're going to have a bench of Phipps, probably Horn. Mm. I would have thought Horn would be one spot on the bench so that he can cover 12 or 13. You know, cover yes. 12 or 13. Mm. And then you really need a back three player. So where do you go there? And that may be um, an opportunity for Jesse Mogg. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if, if you think about who's then left in the side, let's say you had a problem with your 10 or 12, you know, you could always push... Say something happened with Leo Lafano. You could push Jock to 12, bring Beal up from full-back and bring Mog on. Mm. Um, if uh, if you had a problem with Jock, then you can bring Beal up to 10 and bring Mog on. Uh, so I think that probably gives you a little bit of coverage for the back three. Mm.
0: And, and and also, Honey Badger, having, he's played a bit of
2: 13, hasn't he? He has for the Force, yeah. yeah. Um, so... That would give you, a, you know, a second backup for 13. I would imagine if you had Horn on the bench, that gives you the, the primary backup. Mm. Then I guess the other question is, is it, it would appear that, you know, George Smith will probably be in the mix. Um, will they take a risk and start him or will they look to have him on the bench? I guess the beauty with having him on the bench is that he, he has got the ability to play 6, 7 or 8. So that gives you a fair bit of flexibility at the back. Mm. of your scrum Um, and then we get back to the same old question do we have a lock on the bench or do we have someone like a Peter Kimlin or a Hugh McManaman
0: yeah well I mean and uh, you know I guess at least with if you've got if it's Smith on the bench um, if it is then I mean that gives you a little bit more flexibility doesn't it for the same reason you just said
2: yeah yeah um, I mean, I can't see that they'd go Smith and Gill on the bench. No. That'd be too risky because then if you have a lock go down, you, you've got no cover. You'd have mm-hmm. to push, you know, Moen to sick, uh, into the lock, which is, isn't useful. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I would think that, you know, given Smith's experience and the big must-win game, that Smith is likely to be in the
0: 23. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and also knowing that, he was Deans' first pick um, uh, pre-everything pre else. Yeah. Okay, mate. anything else we need to touch on, wrap up on? Um, I think we're looking at maybe even doing another podcast tomorrow with a special guest from uh, Northern Hemisphere, and uh, obviously then we'll have a more definitive team list, so they'll give us a lot more to talk about. But uh, anything yeah. before we wrap up?
2: No. I think we've waited enough speculation. We wait till we know the team's tomorrow. Good one.
0: All right, mate, good to talk to you. Um, We'll talk tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for uh, downloading or listening, and uh, we'll speak to you soon.
2: Okay, thanks, everyone.